enter to the dark Hide away, they say Cause we don't want your broken parts I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us talk more about that song in just a little bit, but uh, first, we're going to go to the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter of John, John chapter 4, verses 4 through 26. Maybe it's a story that some of you have heard before. Maybe for some of you, it's your first time hearing this powerful encounter that Jesus had a seemingly anonymous woman at the well. Let me pick it up at verse 4. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar. It was near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, How can you ask me for a drink? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What have you just said is quite true. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For the salvation is from the Jews. 
Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for accepting us as we are, our mistakes, our failings, and the times we haven't turned to you. But Lord, you pour out your grace upon us, and you accept us, and you call us, and you claim us as your own. May we walk in the way that leads to life eternal, and may we look for you in all that we do. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us first. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we are in the third week of our series entitled Chapel Roswell Mixtape, and you've heard me talk about it before, kind of the good old days when you would take a cassette and you would edit onto it all these different songs that you could make your own tape. Maybe you would make a, a mixtape for someone who was special to you. Maybe you just carry it around a mixtape so you could have all of your favorite music there. Now we do it on iTunes or Spotify or, or something like that. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a different song and how the good tunes ties into the good news. Now, two weeks ago, we kicked it off. We went back to 1991. We had a song by Nirvana, Come As You Are. Last week, it was the oldest song on our mixtape. It took us back to 1965. Remember the song? Turn, turn, turn. That's right. And the song that we're using this week, This Is Me, it comes from the movie The Greatest Showman, which was released last December. It's by far the most recent or the newest song in our Chapel Roswell mixtape. Now, how many of you have seen that movie? Okay, a handful of you have. Actually, most of you have. If you haven't, I'm not going to totally give it away. But the musical starred Hugh Jackman as P.T. Barnum. He was an entertainer and a showman in the late 1800s, and he devised the idea of what we would call the modern-day circus. The Greatest Showman was the name of the movie. The, the film took a lot of creative license. It wasn't terribly accurate in, in a lot of places, but the theme of the movie is incredibly powerful. You see, as a way to draw people into his fledgling museum, P.T. Barnum would bring in people who were vastly different from the rest of culture. They were seen as outcasts. You had a tiny person. You had the world's tallest person. You had Siamese twins. You had an albino. You had a bearded woman. Several others just kind of considered these people to be outcasts or outsiders, and they were folks who were used to rejection. In many cases, they were rejected by their own families. But, but through this time together, they developed a strong sense of community. They forged these deep-rooted relationships with one another. And the song, This Is Me, uh, which the band just sang, won several awards, became the theme song for the film, it says, I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned not to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to drown them out. 
I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. I'm reminded of a couple who been married a long time, and they would always go to church together. But one Sunday, the wife was getting up, and she had a hard time getting her husband out of bed. Uh, she didn't want to nag him too much, but she gently said, honey, come on. It's time. We got to go to church. You, you got to get up. You got to get dressed. We're going to be late. You got to go. And the husband just refused. He, he just wanted to continue to sleep, just kind of rolled over on his pillow and, and just kept sleeping. Uh, his wife, again, just kind of pushed him. And he said, you know what? We got to get up. We're going to be late for church. We got to go. Come on. What's, what's holding you up? And, and the husband just kind of in a, a huff and puff moment just kind of announced, you know what? I'm not going to church today. I'm not sure if I ever ever want to go back to that place. Uh, no one likes me there anyway. They all talk bad about me. It's just not a place where I feel welcome. Give me one good reason why I should go back to that church. And his wife said, well, you're the pastor. <laughs> Even us pastors can feel out of place at times. Maybe in circumstances, we all have felt like outsiders at times. We all know people who are kind of on the fringe of culture or, or the fringe of society. Maybe they don't act like everyone else, or maybe they don't look like everyone else. Maybe they don't respond the way others do. Maybe they don't feel or think like everyone else. And, and maybe at times you felt like you're on the fringes. I'll give you an example from my own life, and maybe some of you can relate. You, you walk in on a Sunday morning, and you want to look like you have your act together. You want to be the proud example of what it's like to be a pastor, and, and you're kind of running in at the last minute with a smile on your face, but you're getting ready. It was hard because the, the, the kids were basically culminating towards World War III. They didn't want to be there, and you and your spouse may have had some Heated fellowship on the way to the, to the church on the ride over. But the good news of Jesus Christ is good news for everyone, regardless of your background and regardless of the baggage that you carry, regardless of what other people think of you as an individual, regardless of what society says about a group of people. Jesus makes it clear that each person is of sacred worth to God, that we're called to reach beyond the walls of the church, uh, to welcome them, to love them, to accept them, and to bring them in to the larger community of faith. That's what happened in The Greatest Showman. And I hope that we're doing that here. I hope that you as an individual are doing that as well. In this morning's gospel lesson, we hear the story of Jesus meeting a woman that he meets at a historic well. We don't know the woman's name, don't know much about her, but we do know that she is kind of an outcast from a group that was known as being outcasts. You see, Jesus was heading from the big city of Jerusalem on his way to the rural countryside of the region known as Galilee. Now, the quickest route from Jerusalem to Galilee took them through a region known as Samaria, but most Jews really avoided Samaria at all costs. You see, there were a lot of tensions between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, and it goes way back. 
Now, on one hand, it was quite common for Samaritan robbers to attack Jewish pilgrims as they walked through Samaria. So maybe that's one reason that you would avoid that, that highway. But, but secondly, there was a lot of angst between the two groups. It, it all went back several hundred years during the Babylonian exile, many of the Jewish people eventually were able to return home to Jerusalem, but the Samaritans didn't. Several of the people decided to stay back in Babylon, and there they married Babylonians, and slowly but surely they kind of lost their national identity, and over time the devout Jews who returned to Jerusalem wanted nothing to do with these so-called half-breeds who were over here. And so to the Jews, the, the, the Samaritans were considered unclean, ceremonially unclean. They just didn't want to be near them at all. And so whenever the Jewish people had a route that took them through Samaria, most went great lengths to circumvent that region. They didn't even want to walk through it. But Jesus, on his way to Galilee, traveled through Samaria. Jesus, you know what? He, he has a habit of going to places and going to people who are out there who were on the fringe of culture. And at about noon on what would have been a hot day, Jesus encountered a Samaritan woman at the well. Now, while it was true that many Samaritans weren't pleasant to a lot of the Jewish people, it was perhaps more true that the Jewish people weren't really nice to the Samaritans. Most women, uh, women would, would go to the well early in the morning when it was still cool outside. But this woman was here in the middle of the day by herself in the heat of the afternoon. Why, why would she do that? Well, she later tells us a little bit about herself, and I think she came in the heat of the day so she wouldn't have to be around other people. She could avoid the chatter or the gossip or the judgment that other people had towards her. And her, her heart must have sank all the way to the tips of her toes as she noticed this man who was resting by the well, not only a man, but a Jewish man. You see, there, there was very little interaction, if any, between the Jews and the Samaritans, especially between a man and a woman. And so here she was, minding her own business, coming to get water, when all of a sudden she found herself, again, playing the role of an outcast to an outcast people. She was an outcast of people who were outcasts. Even amongst her own people, she was an outcast because of a past that may or may not have been her fault. She'd been married five times, it says. She was living with a man who wasn't her husband, and certainly there was talk around town. Maybe it was out of pity. Maybe it was out of gossip. Maybe it was out of disdain. Maybe a little bit of all three. But this woman comes to the well in the heat of the day so she doesn't have to encounter the accusing eyes or the stares of anyone else. With her head down, hoping to avoid eye contact with the Jewish man at the well, here she comes. She begins to lower her bucket when Jesus clears his throat and he says, may I have a drink? And with that question, a, a relationship is born and truly a life is changed. It begins with a simple question based on the universal need for water, for, for thirst quenching 
But here the conversation unfolds. The woman's eyes are slowly open. She's, she's no theological slouch. She knows a lot about the background of her people. She knows a lot about the history of the Jewish people and the centuries-old arguments between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. And as is the case for most of us who find ourselves in the role of outcast, she's waiting for a better life to come along. Jesus reveals to her that he is the final word in those two words, that phrase, ego imai, which simply means I am. I am. That was the name that God referred to himself with when Moses asked for God's name at the burning bush. I am. It's a name so holy that even now faithful Jews won't speak it. I am. The identity of the one who came to bring about healing and restoration and redemption to the world, Jesus says. I am is the first and the final word. Jesus gave the doubly outcast woman at the well the final word of hope. Engaging her as a human being who is worthy of love and attention and affirmation. And even in this little brief encounter, he changed her identity from outcast to beloved child who belongs in the kingdom of God. He does this over and over in his ministry. And to this day, for you and for me and for all those in our culture and our community, Jesus comes to heal, to restore, to make whole, to welcome the outcast and the oppressed and those on the fringes. It makes no difference if they don't wear the right clothes or have the right job or if they don't have their mental illness under control or they struggle with addictions or they can't have children or they haven't found the one. In Christ, our identity, you see, friends, is not based on being an outcast, but rather on the fact that the Scripture says we are beloved children, invited into God's kingdom with open arms and offered the cool drink of living water, the gift of eternal life. Jesus' ministry, my goodness, at the time, it was so scandalous. It was cross-cultural, reaching out to people that the Jewish leaders wanted nothing to do with. Today, we look at the radical nature of Jesus and his teachings and his ministry. At Chapel Roswell, we want to be a place of worship where people from a a variety of backgrounds, a diverse and inclusive place where people feel welcomed by us, and more importantly, they can feel the love and the hope of God. That Jesus... His ministry is wrapped in an acceptance of other people whom society has rejected or maybe neglected. And Christ routinely did that which we find difficult and challenging to do in our own time and place. Who are those on the fringe of our culture? And how are we showing them the love of God? How are we embracing and welcoming those who are different from ourselves? Do we think that God can use them, that God has a special place in his kingdom for those who don't look or act or feel like us? Maybe in your life you feel like someone on the fringe. 
Maybe on the surface, you, you look like you have it all together, but you're battling anxiety or, or maybe a troubled marriage or, or, or relational issues. You're dealing with doubt and uncertainty in your faith, or, or maybe you feel like you're so far from having it all together. But the truth is, the scripture says that Jesus came for you to offer hope and to bring joy, to point to the way that leads to life eternal. The message of Jesus isn't merely meant to enhance our lives. To the contrary, it really is meant to radically change our lives so that we see situations and people and circumstances and futures differently. We begin to see people through the lens of Christ, seeing people the way that God does. And so this morning, whether you're a follower of Christ or you're not, this is good news. Why is that? Well, if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus includes us in his instructions of how we're called to bring grace and mercy and healing into this world. And if you don't believe in God, God loves you so much that he makes it clear to his followers as to how you should be treated with love and acceptance. One of the characters in The Greatest Showman was the bearded lady. She was discovered by P.T. Barnum, and he used her in a lot of his early shows, and I was watching the movie not long ago with our 11-year-old son, David, and when he first saw the, the bearded lady, he said, Dad, what's wrong with her? But as the movie went on, we, we learned more and more about her. She has an amazing singing voice. She's the one who sang in the movie, uh, This Is Me, the, the song that our band just sang not long ago. It was the highlight of the movie. And towards the end of the movie, as things were kind of wrapping up, David looked at me and he said, she's my favorite one. You see, that's what happens when we look beneath the surface or beneath the stereotype. We begin to see people for who they really are, or in this case, for whose they really are. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus calls us to do. In the movie, The Greatest Showman, these, these cast of characters, these, these outcasts, if you will, formed a, a family basically of their own. And, and really, isn't that what we crave, a, a place where we do feel like we belong, where we can be accepted, warts and all. And that's what we should be about here at Chapel Roswell, that we're intentional and we're deliberate about that. We're reaching out, that we're welcoming in, that we're making feel at home those who are out there not yet part of a faith community. Why? Because God calls us to. Why? Because God loves them. That's what Jesus calls us to do, and Jesus was pretty emphatic about that. So whether you feel like an insider or an outsider, you are of worth to God. So much so that God tells his disciples to go out to bring you into his presence so that you can experience change in your own life. Do you want to feel that change in your life? Let's pray. Dear loving God, we thank you for the love that you have for us and for the fact that you pursue us. May we be mindful of those who are not like us so that we can point them to the love of God who loves them regardless of what our culture says. Lord, call us out of our comfort zone so that we can show your love and your mercy and your grace to all of those around us, those who are seen as outcasts.
those people who are hurting, those people who seem to be at the end of their ropes. And as we leave our time together, may we carry forth the love that God has for us and the love, Lord, that you call us to have for one another. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.